Oh, hello there. I'm Melinda Catherine Gross. And I'm Michael Nixon. And we like to talk about murder. Well, you like to talk about murder, fictional murder, a <laughs> lot, uh, whether anybody wants you to or not. That's right. And Michael doesn't talk about murder nearly enough. So I would like to invite you all to join us as we explore the material of our favorite monster. Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Each week we will be discussing and dissecting the film and TV appearances of Thomas Harris's infamous serial killer, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Mostly, I'm going to try to get Michael to eat people. I won't. You will. I might, but there's only one way to find out. Tune in to Having a Friend for Dinner, available on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, bon appetit. Ooh. Dueling Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers one minute at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Norman Mitchell. And today we'll be talking about Minute 6, which starts with Frodo examining the small box in his hand and ends with uh, the elvish rope coming free from the uh, knot that Sam tied to get them down. His very skillfully tied knot. Yes. Okay, uh, that's at the end, so let's start at, at the beginning of the minute. Okay. Uh, I love Sam. Yes. Sam is cute, because he brings this all the way with him from the Shire. I think that it's... So, is the box supposed to be a nod to the actual gift Galadriel gives him? Uh, the, like, the seeds and stuff? Yeah, the soil. Uh, a... a in the book, he actually did bring salt with him from the Shire. Okay. They, they talk about it on the commentary. I haven't gone back and checked in my book to mm-hmm. see if it's just another instance of someone misre- misremembering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he does bring, supposedly he does bring salt with him from the Shire. It seems like a very Sam thing to do. It does. Just in case they have some roast chicken. <laughs> also, I love the way that Frodo says, my dear Sam. Mm-hmm. Just, like, a little in disbelief, but also, like, of course this is something you would yeah. do. Yeah, I really like the way that he says that line, because it it sums up, I think it sums up a lot of Frodo's feeling about Sam. Like, this, like, Frodo is kind of in disbelief that Sam can, in the midst of all of this fantastic stuff that Sam is so like grounded yeah or like he can still care about something that seems that's so, so small. trivial yeah. yeah i love that i think he does get to use that seasoning a little later in the movie though right on that rabbit yeah on those the conies <laughs> the box is a really pretty little box it is it's very pretty knowing they had to remake that box in two days just kind of makes me chuckle now knowing that they made the box too big at first mm-hmm on the lid of the box, do you know what kind of leaf that is? I don't off the top of my head, and they don't mention it in the commentary. Okay. I think it looks like an oak leaf, um, but I'm not an arborist. Nor am I. <laughs> and um, I know it's not an acorn. Right? Like, I'm, I'm no botanist. 
Well, with trees, remember we learned last time? With trees, it's, um... Oh, maybe it's not a leaf at all. It's leafy. Yeah, it, there's like a leaf motif. <laughs> a leaf motif. No, the study of trees is, um... Arbory? Well, not arbory, but... I don't know, I can't tell. It's like two leaves overlapping, almost. Yeah. They look like oak leaves. Mm. But it's like, it's... I. It's difficult to tell if they're leaves, because it's like this this little, um, it's almost like a puzzle piece, too. Yeah. I think there's a lot of leaves on the outside, if there are leaves, or if it's just squiggles. I can't tell. I think it's just meant to, like, evoke leaves. Yeah. It's not anything specific. Because it wouldn't be a Malorn leaf, because it's from the Shire. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love how... I mean, you just mentioned this, but, like, it's so small, but it's so well-made. And it's yeah. kind of cool that they were able to pull that together last minute. Yeah. Or they had to pull it together last minute. And they're like, hey, we, we got the box of that scene that Frodo has to catch and open. And Peter's just like, this is too big. Too big. Make it again. Smaller this time. Mm-hmm. It's like the like a ring box. Yeah, it's just a little bit bigger than a ring box. Mm-hmm. Sam says it's the finest salt in all the Shire. Which means it's probably actually pretty valuable. Yeah. Salt was an incredibly valuable mineral. So, the Shire... Does the border of the Shire include the Grey Havens? Or is that beyond the Shire? I think we talked about this before. On the coast? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, because the Grey Havens are right on the coast. I don't know if they technically count as being in the Shire. I think the, sh- the border of the Shire is the Blue Mountains, which is before the Grey Havens. Mm. And they're dwarves that live in the blue Right, mountains. right, right. So I'm wondering if, like, well, because if it's in all the Shire, then it wouldn't be off the from the coast. I mean, you can just dig salt out of the ground. There are salt mines. Yeah, that's true. Sea salt would be something precious. Right. Although, I'm trying to remember the map without having to, to pull one up and look at it. But there might be a pretty large uh, river, oh, delta, in the southern part of the Shire, too. Oh, no. There are some marshes. There's not a delta. Yeah. Doesn't get close enough to the coast. Hmm. Well, that theory's shot. Darn. <laughs> Any sea salt they get would have to come from very far away. They would find sea salt probably pretty exquisite. Mm-hmm. As it is delicious. And it's salty. Just mm. salt. It tastes different than mine salt. Does it? Yes. It's just... Just like pink salt and black salt, salt taste different. I don't know. Maybe I'm not like a gourmet chef type, but like salt is salty (laughs) (laughs) i mean kosher salt's not like table salt yeah it tastes different i don't know anything about salt i just put it in the food that i make (laughs) try not to use too much of it because it gets your heart rate up that's fair (laughs) that's fair there's actually quite a bit of salt in that box yeah i wonder how much of it he uses on the rabbits Probably just a pinch. They look like big crystals. Yeah. Little little pinches he grinds up in his fingers. Yeah. His his fat hobbit fingers. <laughs> and I like this this whole little bit with Frodo and Sam. I'm kind of sad that it's not all totally contained within this minute. Because there's the one more funny little bit that mm-hmm. starts tomorrow. But it's just, it's nice to have this Interlude. lighthearted character moment. Before the movie gets grim. Yeah. They talk about, like, that. them wanting that to be a thing at the beginning of this movie. 
is some lighthearted character stuff before the movie gets grim, especially with Frodo. Right. Because Frodo goes through a journey. Yeah, he goes through hell. Well, not quite, but almost. Almost. <laughs> he's like, he's standing on the doorway at the end of the third movie. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see Frodo like as he was when he first left the Shire or yeah. when we first met him. It's interesting to me that this this scene, though, there are echoes of the Shire theme, but you don't actually hear the whole thing. Like, there's the um, the first part of it. The little bump. Well, not the not the little um, like the pizzicato notes, the little the staccato notes, mm. the low strings. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? I got you. Um, but like the da 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 da. You know what I mean? Yeah. You there's the lead into it, but then it changes. It's not like the Shire theme. Yeah, uh, in the the production commentary. Howard Shore talks about how until the beginning of the scene with Frodo and Sam, mm-hmm. all the music so far in the movie is repeated music from Fellowship. Right. And then when they're climbing down the cliff is the beginning of Two Towers music. Yeah. And then it's not fully Two Towers music until after these first couple scenes. That makes sense. When they're we kind actually of leading you like in. start the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of leading you in to the new score. I I like it because while I love the Shire theme um it feels like this moment is nice because it recalls the Shire and it recalls where they came from but it's not it doesn't feel like emotionally punchy enough yeah to refrain the Shire theme so I like that it kind of starts and then it kind of like peters off a little yeah because this is this is a small moment to remind you that like Sam is a Shire boy through and through and always will be <laughs> You can take a hobbit out of the Shire, but you can't take the Shire out of the hobbit. Mm mm. Shire boy. <laughs> He's a little Shire boy. <laughs> it sounds like you're trying to say shy and choir at the same time. <laughs> shire boy. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my oh my goodness. Um This one is kind of light. I I question the rope when he tugs on it. It's very taut. Like, yeah. there's no slack on the rope like it it would be if it was just t- dangling. It's like someone's tugging on it out of frame, which makes me laugh. Like holding it up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he tugs on it. It's kind of strange. It's like magic. Yeah, a little bit. Like, However. It's too, it's too straight. It's too straight up. Right. But talking about the rope, and I think this is really cool, uh, the the rope untying itself, we have some nameless Weta worker to thank because they don't tell you who it was. Mm-hmm. But someone on set that day when they were filming this stuff figured out how to tie the knot so that it would just come undone when it was pulled. Oh, nice. And saved Weta an effect shot. <laughs> so that's practical that the rope untying itself is just someone figured out how to, how to tie it so that when they pulled on it. They're not just undone. It's strange that I... It just, it's so strange to me that the, the rope is so taut. Right. And Have when you you're looking at it... Before? Yeah, and when you're looking at it from the knot side, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be hanging off the cliff in the way that it is mm-hmm. for him to just pull on it and right. undo the knot. Right. Real Elvish rope. Rope shenanigans, man. Real Elvish rope. And uh, some notes about the scenery in the area. Mm-hmm. They're on a mountain... That I'm not sure how to spell. Uh, it's a volcano, 
And they said it enough times that I know how to say it. Okay. It's Ruapehu. Okay. And it's a volcano that's part of like a national wildlife preserve. Mm -hmm. So they weren't allowed to do any digging to move any rocks or boulders or bring in any wildlife that wasn't native to the mountain. Yeah. So they had to just work with what they had there without having to, without doing anything significant to the space. Mm -hmm. And when they left, they had to make sure that there was like no evidence that they had been there. Yeah. Like a national park. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. Is it just this, like the cliff shot, or is it uh, just all the st- most of the stuff around uh, Emmett Mule? Okay, is on Mount Ruapehu. Sweet, yeah, those rocks do look kind of um, what's the word igneous. Mm. And they reused a lot of the rocks that they had used in the Fellowship, all the big foam ones that they could cart around with them. Yeah, they reused a lot of them. Can you imagine, like, driving down the road? You're just you're just living in New Zealand. And you, like, look over at this pickup truck, and it's just full of foam boulders. Right. Like, <laughs> full of comically large rocks. And you're yeah. just, how is that truck moving? Right. <laughs> I gotta get me one of those. That's so funny. It's like something you'd see in, like, a Chevrolet ad. Yeah. I love thinking about, like, just people living their lives in New Zealand and then just happening across, like, some weird Lord of the Rings right, stuff. Right, like, seeing this filming process happening almost 20 years ago now. Right, like, with with Vigo, like, taking his sword everywhere. Like, you're just a cabbie, and you're just like, okay, where to? And then he just has a sword. And this, like, this handsome, <laughs> like, over six foot tall, blue-eyed, square-jawed guy <laughs> just gets into your cab, and it's like, where to, sir? And you realize he's got, he's a, got sword a sword in his and lap. a cloak. <laughs> just like... All right, this guy's crazy or one of those LARPers. Oh, my gosh. Either way, I'm going to be polite. Right? You better tip well, though. Right? (laughs) Bringing a sword into my cab, making me fear for my life. That's, yeah, that's really funny. It's like, we're at the hotel, like, this doesn't fit in the room safe. Can you put it in the safe behind the desk? (laughs) The hotel attendant's just like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) It's okay, it's not sharp. No, he wouldn't put it in the safe. He'd, like, tuck it into the bed next to him. Like that short Short that came out before Thor 3. Just. This is where I sleep. This is where Mjolnir sleeps. Like, he just pulls out the drawer and puts a pillow in it, and he'd lay the sword in there. Right, but in, in Vigo's case, it's like, this is where I sleep. This is where Andoril sleeps. <laughs> well, it's not Andoril at this point. No, it's the it's ranger, ranger Sword. sword. Yeah. But event- I don't know if the Ranger Sword has a special name. Just this is Ranger Sword. 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 <laughs> With a capital S. Andoril is his named sword. Right. It's a sword of legend. Yeah. Reforged from the shards of Narsil. That's the wrong movie. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else for this minute. I just, the rope bothers me. This doesn't quite look right. The physics are off. It's very off. Like, I'm fine with, like, crazy, well, I mean, I'm not fine with crazy Gandalf physics, but, like, I think it bothers me because we see it up close. Yeah. Like, he just tugs on that, but it's, uh, it doesn't. It's just, like, on a pulley up above. Yeah. I wonder what else is in the salt, like rosemary, thyme. Some thyme, yeah. A little bit of sage. A little bit of sage. It's chicken, so like... 
chicken stuff. Maybe some lemon zest. Mm. I don't know. They probably don't have citrus fruits in the Shire. Probably not. They have apples, but you can't really transport. That Maybe some horseradish. I think you're getting a little too exotic. Yeah. Sam doesn't strike me as like one for spicy food. I don't know. It's, right, it's true. He doesn't take to that foreign stuff, as we'll find out next <laughs> oh my week gosh. or later this week. Yeah, I don't think Sam would eat spicy food. I think he's like a meat and potatoes kind of hobbit. A little bit of salt and pepper. Yeah. There's definitely pepper in there. Oh, yeah. There's pepper. There's rosemary. You can see rosemary. I think there's like thyme, a little bit of sage, some good chicken, some good roast chicken. Yeah, dude, that rope does not look. It's not close enough to the it's, cliff face. I mean, it's it's fine, but it just looks off. It's good for cinema. Real elvish rope. You know, he calls out that Galadriel gave him that. Right. But it is in the extended. So. But it's never called out where it came from in the theatrical. Right. No, I know. He just has elvish rope. Peter Jackson telling me his elvish rope's not in the movie. We put this to rest. And this moment of doubt on Frodo's face when Sam says, well, who would follow us down is the first inkling of Gollum in the movie. It's like a little bit of... Like, foreshadowing that Gollum is still following them. Mm -hmm. And Frodo knows. Well, I mean, Frodo saw him at the crossing, right? Yeah, he saw him in the river. And Aragorn was like, he's too clever a waterman. Yeah. And Gandalf pointed him out in Moria. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the most crazy thing to me, that he escaped Moria. Yeah, how did he get out? I have no idea. The same way the squid got in? I don't know. There is another way, a more secret way. Or, you know, he's just really small. He just snuck out. But he's bigger than the hobbits. No, he's not. Yeah. He's much skinnier. We'll talk, we'll talk about it when they're wrestling, but, like, he's supposed to be a hobbit, but he's, like, taller than them. Well, he's an ancient hobbit. If he stands up straight, he's, like, dude size. He's, yeah, but he's an older hobbit. He's from, he's a 500-year-old hobbit. But he's, like, a... Like a proto-hobbit? Yeah, he's a proto-hobbit. So a dude, like a human? <laughs> no, he's not as big as a person. He's one of the river folk before they were hobbits. Is it like when, um, what is it called? Like a megafauna? Is he like a mega-hobbit? <laughs> like a giant sloth? Yeah, like a giant sloth. Like a woolly mammoth. Some megatherium. <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're quite there. I don't think he's a mega-hobbit. A mega-hobbit is just a human, right? <laughs> yeah. I guess a mega human is something like a troll. Good day to you, mega human. <laughs> I don't know. Good evening, fellow mega humans. You don't know. You know what a mega human is? Mm. Um, that the the Gandalf. No, not Gandalf. Gandalf's an angel. Right, a mega human. <laughs> something more ancient no, no, and superior. I'm talking about size. I was gonna say the um, the the. What are they called? Like the big rigs in... Um, oh, yeah, the big rigs that they use for Brie? special effects. Yeah, with yeah. the crazy hands. Yeah, mega human. <laughs> it's a mega human. <laughs> it's a small person in a big person suit. <laughs> All right, I'm going to end this episode. <laughs> what are they doing in those silly human suits? <laughs> so we're from the website duelinggenre.com. Uh, check us out there as well as all the other podcasts there are so many now it's like we're a, a full-grown network um and you can support us on patreon if you are so inclined check us out there at duelinggenre.com slash support 
uh, special thanks to Patreon associate producer Ed Foster. I hope you guys have a good Monday, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about uh, Real Outro. Bye. Bye.